Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to Remote Pep Talks with me, Ryan Miller. And, ah, you know what? It's rainy outside and windy and my back hurts. And it's really making me feel a bit like an old man, which, to be honest, is, is not true. I'm a, I'm a middle-aged man. <laughs> that's just, uh, that's just uh, facts. You know, those are just things that I need to deal with. I can, I can ride around on my skateboard, and I can... <sighs> what else can I do? Other stuff that makes me feel young. I can dance to, to music that the kids like. You know, I can I can do stuff. I can uh, maintain a sense of playfulness, and I can feel young, even if the facts remain. I'm uh, I'm firmly in middle age. Listen, it's it's time for a remote pep talk, and if you haven't figured it out so far, I like making these because I like having conversations with people. I like communicating with them, the people, of course, who with whom I'm communicating do that by email they send me their issue their concern the thing that's that's up for them and i do my best to provide fresh perspective a little insight that's what happens and that's what's also going to happen in this episode which is about disinformation the email comes from a listener named gill his request goes like this Any chance you could do a pep talk on dealing with misinformed relatives slash friends one of these days? That is, folks who deny the 1969 moon landing and climate change, or who don't believe that the events taking place in, for instance, Myanmar could affect their lives, etc. Gil, that is a great topic and something I think that is not just relevant for you right now, but I think a lot of people at this point in time and hell yeah i mean fuck yeah let's do it i will do my best that's that's all we can do really and what better place to record this than a library in gothenburg sweden let's go there now Hi, we're just here to go look at some books. Oh. I like how that, what is he, a a porter? Just sort of gestures expansively at the library. Yes, you want books? Here you go. I mean, he didn't seem particularly kind, but on the other hand, he showed us where to go. Well, this is fantastic. I mean... Of all the places to meet you, I did think uh, a library in northern Sweden would would be one. But well, you're a you're a worldly man. I've I've traveled some, so it's not it's not that wild. But you know, I I did think it would be appropriate to talk about misinformation and disinformation in in a home of books. I mean, when I was little, I read all the time. 
I was a classic bookworm. And and nowadays, I'm also something of a reader. I, I certainly own a fair amount of books, not not like a fucking library, but you know, I've got a I've got a wall of books, most of which I've read. But yeah, I find the I find the allure of the phone and I guess, you know, so the allure of the phone is destructive and you know, hard to resist because it's totally programmed to claw at our attention. So it is good I think to to leave it outside the room anytime there's some some reading going on. And of course the other thing that gets in the way though that's not how I would characterize it is uh, having children and having a job so there's always stuff to do but you know books aren't the only place where information lives but I think if you compare say Facebook to any random book I think the amount of misinformation and disinformation on Facebook is greater as is the the amount of people (laughs) who spend time there and i think that's part of the problem is the way social media is you know is engineered it's to it's to get our attention it's to share things it's you know to to click like reshare memes and i think that i mean i i have some people i know on facebook who you know have views that are distorted and I've tried to engage at some points with, with people, but, and I think that's a bit your, your point, is it's hard to talk sense to people who are so mired in nonsense. And that's, and that's frustrating, I think, especially when it's, it's, it's people we know and love and care about. And I think this was something that, you know, I think Fox News still, still does, uh, where it uh, distorts information and you know i think it it was especially bad during the trump years but then there were other things like like QAnon, which is just straight straight bananas and i think for people outside of that it's it's difficult for us to understand how people can get sucked in but i was i was reading an article recently that was talking about a couple of factors that really make conspiracies, like you said about about the moon landing, and you know, Q uh, Q drops and those kind of things. And and one is they're seductive. It's exciting, you know. It's like the Matrix. The world is not as you know it. Look at this different way to see things that only a few select people, only the chosen ones, can understand. So there's this seduction, this thing that draws people in. And then there's the the repetition. And that's where I think the mechanisms for sharing this information, like Facebook and like Twitter, who have, you know, both done their a little more recently, I think, also Instagram to to clean up how much disinformation is available and how easy it is to share and get joined in and and how if you click on a Q anon post actually I don't know what's up with Q now, but I think since every single thing cryptic as they were has been totally wrong i think at a certain point maybe people are uh, disheartened and turning away from it but the thing is with those algorithms when you click on something then it serves up more things that are like that so i know that i i've seen things where it's like oh you click on one 
QAnon post, for example, and then before too long you're surrounded by this information and and repetition is a really strong factor of making this conversion for people to become more misinformed on the strength of this disinformation. So it's really hard to to get out, I think, once you, once you get in. So that's important to remember. And then there's another component about belonging. So once you find your tribe, so to speak, your community, and I think this is important for all of us, whatever it is that we're interested in, I think about my my global improv community that I I don't feel especially close to at this point in my life, but, you know, that's still my community. That's people who think like I do, who have same experiences as I do, same worldview, same values, and that's really important. And I think when when you get your worldview twisted by some disinformation, I think it can be disorienting, but you find other like-minded people and then that's where the the trump rallies and the you know the the q on you see the other people with q signs you're like oh you know it's like seeing someone with a you know a band t-shirt a band that you really like you know, see someone in a pixies t-shirt i'm like i like this person uh you know i like them they know what's going on it was like robin on how i met your mother the tv show when she mentioned uh mason raymond Former Vancouver Canuck, uh, the actress, is, is from Vancouver, and she's a Canucks fan, as am I. She mentioned that on the show. I was like, damn, I sure hope she's the mother, <laughs> you know. It's because we, we're always seeking belonging. We're seeking our community. We're seeking, you know, our own identity and having it reinforced and reflected back to us by the people we spend time with. And all of that to say that that's, I think, a big reason which makes disinformation and misinformation so compelling when you get stuck into it. And how do we how do we fight it? I mean, I wish I wish I knew. But I think there are a couple of things that we can do. This was also based on an article that I'll post in the in the show notes, but one is arguing doesn't really help. That's important to remember. And I think if you're especially if you're online and you're, you're engaging in a, in a fact-based argument with someone, that's kind of a zero-sum game. You're not really going to get anywhere. So the advice that I heard that I will share with you as counsel for you to use if you, if you like, but is to talk to them. One thing that seemed really compelling the way it was explained to me was get them to talk. So you talk to them, this person who is, uh, has, has a you know confusing or unfortunate set of facts and ask them questions and just be curious about it because you're having more of a relationship with them. You're, you're reinforcing that relationship and that belonging. So they have a touch point outside of wherever they're at. And the other thing you're doing is you're forcing them to try and explain the leaps of logic and the inconsistencies that are almost certainly in their story. A little Swedish baby. Okay, so I think if you're talking to someone, you're 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 being a a friend or a, or a relative, or you're at least kind of providing some support. You're asking them to explain what the hell they're talking about, and that gives them some uh, an opportunity to express themselves and not get shut down by an argument, and also forces them to confront what might be the amount of bullshit that they're shoveling, and. Something else, of course, you can try and do is to change their media diet. I've heard of people putting parental locks 
on Fox News when they're at their, you know, their boomer parents' house for for Thanksgiving or whatever, and then, you know, the parents can't watch Fox News. And that seems like a small, insignificant guerrilla action that is just designed to alienate your, your relatives. But if you think about it, by not having access to those kind of things that are fucking with their minds, you're actually doing a, uh, I think you're doing a service, you know, and maybe that's getting on someone's Facebook profile and you can, you know, try and actually play with the algorithm. And if it's someone close to you and, and click on other links to, uh, to help them, what I mean is if they have a, uh, if, if they're getting served a lot of um, conspiracy theories or whatever, you could click on more media literacy links or links to counter counterpoint articles, that kind of thing. I mean, ultimately, probably the best thing to do is just fucking kill Facebook, get them off Facebook. But yeah, I think, uh, you know, what, something that I did when I was more engaged with, you know, people in my, who I, basically people who I went to high school with, who turned out to be rabid conservatives and not in a not in a like oh we have a we sit on different sides of the the political spectrum but like oh you are actively aggressively spreading disinformation is i would post wherever they had links i would i would just post a go to i think media literacy and which rates the bias the media bias in and i would or or snopes.com if it's a straight disinformation and just post a link to the not necessarily the counterpoint, but something that shows the the bias or shows that this is a, a straight urban myth. And I mean, it's not much, but that's kind of the a small action that I like to do or, or have certainly done in the past to just, you know, know that I'm I can't change everything and I can't change people's minds, but I can at least make sure that I'm doing a little bit. I guess it's, a you know, if you're not part of the solution, you're part of the problem. And it's not being a huge part of the solution, but trying to help make sure that there's a balanced, accurate information out there. I also want to talk about media literacy. The thing about media literacy is it's applying critical thinking skills or just thinking critically when presented with information or ideas. My daughter, my oldest, Aria, when we're watching TV, she'll sometimes say, is she real? And it could be uh, there's a YouTube character named Yuf Rose, and she is a dressed up and lives in a magical kingdom and does Dutch songs. And I'm like, no, she's not real because she's a character. And then she'll also ask the same question if we're watching figure skating or like a music video or something. And I'm like, yeah, that's a real person. That's maybe not the most sophisticated example of trying to differentiate between fact and fiction when you're presented with something. But I don't know. I'm, I'm happy that she asks those questions and that we're starting young. And I hope she never stops asking that question. Is that real? Because you need to differentiate. And, you know, if you're reading a, a novel, you know that it's not real. But also when you watch news, you know, depending on where your sources are and, you know, you watch extreme propaganda and you don't ask yourself is this real you just take it as news that's a problem fox news used to be a great example of just presenting a bias as fact but now there's even more extreme propaganda out there 
that presents bias as fact and people watch it or, you know, they get a, a, a meme, uh, you, you know, a, a, a photo with some information on it sent on Facebook and they think, yeah, this, I better share this. This looks important. There was an example recently. Some conservatives were like, Joe Biden is trying to take your hamburger away. Uh, something about the, the Biden administration trying to reduce meat intake, not reduce people's meat intake, but like take away steaks and hamburgers. And so, you know, I would see on on Twitter, like conservative politicians posting photos of a big ass steak and being like, suck it, Biden, you can't take this from me. And I would look at those posts and be like, you fucking idiot. But that's actually not, that's not kind. Maybe what I try to do is think you haven't done any secondary research have you and that's the key a little bit of secondary research you know i i used to like i said when i would post those snopes or mediabias.com or whatever those links in people's facebook posts i'm just like you need to do a bit more you need to research more broadly we have a duty to ourselves and to others to be a bit a bit incredulous, a bit not suspicious, but to treat information a little more carefully. Do you, do you remember the Facts of Life, that TV show in the eighties with uh, those girls who who lived at that lady's house, and that's where George Clooney got his start. The theme song to the Facts of Life was if you, one of the lines was if you hear it from your brother, better clear it with your mother. Or something like that, but the, you know, the idea that if you get a piece of information from someone who is maybe not totally trustworthy or might have an, another agenda, it's worth investigating. It's worth investigating, full stop. One of the questions that we can ask when someone tells us something that we don't believe is, oh, where, where did you read that? You know, and not... In a confrontational way, but in a in a curious way, where did you read that? And and hope that that can then begin a di- bigger discussion about how we consume media and how we how we learn things or how we think we learn or have our minds changed by outside information. There was one more thing that I wanted to say, and this one was pretty important. And it's I think that you. You are like a perfect weapon against disinformation. And that is because you are like one of the, probably the the nicest, like most courteous, thoughtful, genuine people I know. I wanted to say you're super polite, but that suggests like good manners and please and thank yous and all that stuff, which of course you have, but it's more at your core, this very genuine thoughtfulness and consideration for other people's feelings and where they're at. And I think obviously that's not really a weapon, but what I mean is that I think that's a really strong tool and an important value that you obviously have that can guide you in these discussions. You're also, of course, a a very well-educated and articulate person. And all of that combined, I think, will make you and will continue to make you such a, um, a powerful advocate for information much like a walking library now speaking of walking library let's walk out of this library find ourselves a pub 
and go have a very expensive Swedish beer. Yeah, it's time. Well, that brings us to the end of another, another episode of Remote Pep Talks with me, Ryan Miller. Thank you so much for listening this far, and hopefully you're enjoying them. I am enjoying making them, and hopefully that is evident in the final product. And yeah, I I appreciate you, you listening. Of course, if you have a pep talk that you need, just send me an email at peptalks at ryanmillar.com and I can I can make one for you too and what else oh yeah you can rate and review and subscribe say how much you're enjoying it that would make me feel good I like feeling good and the only thing left to do now is to say a few thank yous and the first one of course is to Gil for sending in that that very thought-provoking and very, I don't want to say universal, but kind of universal, very present question. So that was really useful and, and fun to explore. So thank you, Gil. I want to thank Johnny the Pawnee for the library sounds and a little point of accuracy. They were recorded at a library in Kaltorp, which is a suburb of Gothenburg, so not in Gothenburg Center but in Caltorp. So thank you, Johnny the Pawnee. And also, of course, thanks as always to Bone40 for the theme music and to you, the listener, for listening. So thank you very much. Now get out there, go, and enjoy your day. But especially, enjoy your right now. <laughs>